Software publishers and pirates are in a constant battle over the distribution of software. In this episode, we'll explain what software piracy is and what mechanisms publishers employ to try to prevent it. Welcome to Copec Explained Software, the podcast where we make computing intelligible. Let's start with the fundamentals. How is software legally protected? When we talk about the law in this episode, I want to give the caveat that I am not a lawyer and also that we're mainly talking about the laws of the United States. I'm going to link in the show notes to two books, one by Pat Cho and one by Richard Stallman, that talk about the intellectual property laws that are behind software distribution today. Software is largely protected by copyright law. Believe it or not, in the United States, anytime you create a written work, whether that be a novel or a letter or a piece of source code, you immediately own the copyright for that written work. The creator of a piece of software can own the copyright to both the original source code that's used to create the software, the media resources that are within the software, like images and sound clips, as well as the binary code that represents the finished form of the software. So copyright law is what protects software. There are also software patents, but they're beyond the scope of our episode today. So is it illegal to copy software? Yes, it largely is. And now it's really going to depend on what license the software is released under. And I'm going to divide the licenses up into two broad different branches. One is open source software. Every open source license gives the person using the software the right to redistribute the software. So if you're using a piece of open source software, you can legally copy it, distribute it to your friends, or do whatever you want with it pretty much. Um, If you're using a piece of proprietary software, then proprietary software often falls into three different categories. One is freeware. Freeware software often comes with the explicit right to redistribute the freeware to other people. Another license is shareware. Shareware is software that usually comes available in a limited form that you download, and then you have to unlock the full form. Usually that limited form, there's a provision in the license that allows you to redistribute it because they want as many people to get access to the shareware so as many people pay to unlock it. But then most commercial software that we think about is usually under a very particular proprietary license and end user license agreement that prohibits all redistribution except directly from the publisher. So let me give you an example of this. Something like Microsoft Office or Adobe's Creative Suite. You can't just have an unlocked copy of Microsoft Office and then copy it to a friend. You can't even necessarily install it on more than a certain number of computers. The license will specify how many different computers you can have a copy of Microsoft Office activated on. So how do you know what type of license some piece of software has? Well, the license is generally going to be included with the software. So when you download software from an open source repository, it's going to usually come with a license file that you can read, and it'll say explicitly what you can do with that software. When you first install a piece of proprietary software, there'll often be an end-user license agreement, a lot of that small legalese text that you read and you agree to. Now, you can read and find out exactly what the specifications are, but I can just tell you the vast majority of commercially published software does not allow you to freely redistribute it. What's the big deal with sharing software? Like, Why do folks consider piracy wrong? Yeah, it goes back to copyright law. Why was copyright law enacted by the federal government in the United States back in the beginning of the republic to begin with? The idea was try to promote 
a monopoly on new works by those who create them so they can make a profit off of it and therefore encourage them to create even more works. So the idea of copyright law was to try to encourage as many new works to be created as possible. And we can think about that in software, right? People like having a monopoly on the software that they wrote. It allows them to profit off of it, and then it encourages them by being able to earn a profit to create a new version or an all-new work. So the idea of why we have copyright to begin with is to try to encourage creators to create new works. And in the case of software, create new versions and new kinds of software. Okay, so that's why we have copyright law, but what's the big deal if I'm just going to give it to a friend? Well, what if your friend instead had to go and actually purchase that software? Now, I'm going to speak to this from a personal standpoint. I'm an indie software developer, and I'm also an author of books, and I do not freely distribute my books or most of my software. I do create open source software too that is freely distributable, but the software that I sell I am trying to make a profit on. So when somebody else steals it or quote unquote steals it or gives it, copies it to a friend, breaking the license, they're perhaps taking money away from me. And I'm not like some, some people sometimes think, well, if I'm just stealing from some huge corporation, it doesn't really matter. Well, a lot of software is actually made by individuals. And even if you're a huge corporation, um, there's a lot of different people who work at that huge corporation. A huge corporation is just a group of people that are working together for some economic end. And there's janitors that work at that huge corporation. There are graphic artists that work at that huge corporation. There are administrative assistants. You're stealing from all of them. You're not just stealing from the fat cat, you know, capitalist who owns a lot of shares in the company. So, uh, you know, why is this any different from walking into a store and taking something from the store? Well, Digital things can be copied at no cost. So that's the argument that kind of goes counter to this, right? So I can't go into a store and make an instant copy of an Apple. That's just not possible, right? But you can make an instant copy of a piece of software. So just because you can do it easily and it doesn't cost anything, does that make it right? Well, you might think that it does make it right because you might think information and software should be distributed to as many people as possible for their own gain, right? But the fact of the matter is we live under a set of laws where that is not legal and a set of laws that were put in place, as I said earlier, to encourage people to make more software. If you disagree with the current set of laws, like, for example, if you're at a stoplight and you see there's nobody around you for miles around, are you the type of person who's just going to go and make a left turn? I personally am not. Some people are. But if you know that you might be wrong, maybe you didn't see the car that was coming, right? And this is the system of laws that we put in place. Maybe you are wrong about the best way to organize society, that you copying things for free is the right way to do it and getting it to as many people as possible is the right way to do it. Maybe that really does discourage people from creating new works. I can tell you this, it definitely discourages me. I see my books being pirated all the time and they're pirated on every possible different way you can imagine. Every kind of different website. I see my books pirated on GitHub, on Facebook groups, on Twitter, on random whereas piracy websites. I've even seen people with seemingly good intentions because they think they're making an archive of books for other people to learn from pirating my books. And I'll tell you, it really discourages me because I know there's probably more people that have not paid for my books, which are not even that expensive, than there are people that have that have read them. And it makes me not want to write more books. 
So, you know, there, there are people who are in very comfortable positions who don't mind giving their software or their books away for free and good for them. But there's also a lot of us who are creators who really want to make a profit. And it's not the only reason we do these things, but it is certainly an incentive for us who it is very discouraging when you quote unquote steal one of our works. And I think that's as true for any kind of creative person. That's true for music artists. You might remember we did an episode that I'll link to in the show notes on Napster and how the music industry was so angry about Napster. And the truth is Napster really did hurt the music industry. It's true about people who make movies. It's true, like I spoke about for myself, about authors and publishers who create books. And it's absolutely true about people who make software. You really are hurting somebody. You might not really realize it because you don't feel the end effects and it doesn't cost you anything or really seem like it's doing anything to anybody. But, you know, if you make a copy of that software and then the friend that you gave it to makes a copy of that software, before you know it, it's actually a significant amount of revenue that's gone away from the creator of that software. And we'll link to a a campaign that was done in the 90s about piracy. Yeah, it's called Don't Copy That Floppy. And a lot of people make fun of it today. It's achieved kind of like cult status. And you could say it was indoctrination by the software industry at the time on young people creating this like catchy uh, song to try to convince young people not to copy floppy disks that contain proprietary software. But at the same time, I mean, there's a real point there. Like there are creators on the other side. And I actually think if you listen to the whole 10 minute version, including the interviews with some of the creators of the software, there's actually a little more nuance there. It's not just this like very simplistic marketing campaign. They actually were trying to explain to young people why it's wrong and why you're not just hurting who you think you're hurting. You're also hurting really creative types who want to create new works. So what do software developers or companies do to prevent piracy? There's been many different schemes. It goes all the way back to early personal computers. There were all kinds of interesting ways to try to lock disks so that people couldn't actually make a copy of a disk or try to use some primitive encryption schemes all the way in the 70s and the 80s. But some of the more fun ways that they tried to protect software were like having you look up something in a manual. So there'd be a physical printed manual that would come with a piece of software and it'd say, go to page 54, paragraph five, sentence three, what's the first word? And you have to type it in. If you didn't have the physical manual, you wouldn't be able to do that. So that was historically there, there was that there was having you have to have the physical CD or disc in the drive while you're running the software. Otherwise, the software wouldn't run. That way, if you just copied it onto a blank disk, somebody who wouldn't have the original or wouldn't have the CD-ROM or whatever wouldn't be able to actually run it. There were even physical, and this still exists to this day, devices they have to hook up to your computer, and the software checks for it when it first loads up to see, is that physical device present? And if it's not, it doesn't run the software. So those were kind of old school, before modern day ways of handling this. In the modern day, there's really two main schemes. One is having you have to have some kind of activation code that um, might actually be checked against an online database to make sure that you're really the appropriate user and somebody who doesn't have an activation code won't be able to actually use the software. And then another one is having you actually have to log in. And in that case, usually the software is actually phoning home every time that you connect. So if you don't have an internet connection for a long enough period of time, it might actually deactivate. So this kind of software basically requires you to have an internet connection. And two software suites that everyone knows that have gone that way are Microsoft Office and the Adobe Creative Cloud. In both cases, they actually phone home and check, 
Is this really the logged in legitimate user that has paid for the software? Aren't there also operating systems that lock these things down? Yeah, some of our modern popular operating systems have built in DRM or digital rights management. You think about something like iOS, you can't just go onto an iOS device and copy an app onto a disk and then give it to somebody else. The apps are actually tied to your Apple user account, your App Store account, and it's impossible to go and just copy them and give them to somebody else. They're they're uh, locked down with encryption. So this has become more and more the common model as we've moved to app stores. So whether you're using the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store or the Microsoft Store on Windows, when you buy apps through those, they're locked to your account. And so it's inherent in the distribution model that there's no way to actually copy them to another consumer. Well, what about the other side of things? If I want to make a copy of software, how does someone go about doing that? What the law has said traditionally is that you are allowed to make a backup of the binaries of your software. And this was especially important in, let's say, the 80s when disks were unreliable. And it's possible the original media that you bought could actually fail. And then it would be important to have that backup copy so that if the original media failed, you'd still be able to run the program. Today, that's not as much of an issue. Um, and if you want to go and copy software, you're usually going to have to go through some, that that's proprietary again. Again, if the license says you can't do it and it has some kind of DRM, you're generally going to have to go to some shady places. Uh, one of the most popular software piracy sites is the Pirate Bay. When you go to the Pirate Bay, you can search for basically any piece of software as well as other kinds of media. And when you download it, you're going to be downloading it through BitTorrent. BitTorrent, a topic that we might do another episode on, is a piece of software that's for peer-to-peer file distribution. Instead of having just one centralized server where all of the bytes exist, they're distributed across multiple different peers, and they you collaboratively use bits coming from all of those peers to reassemble the original bytes that you were trying to get. Um, by having it peer-to-peer, it really can't be easily shut down as long as there's enough peers, right? Uh, it's like whack-a-mole. Even if somehow the government was going to go or software industry was somehow going to go and get some of these uh, peers shut down, there would always be more peers if it's popular enough and there's enough of them. So peer-to-peer sharing networks are the main way that piracy happens today. And it's really very hard to stop. But of course, beyond just having a way of distributing it, they also have to crack, quote unquote, crack it. And what cracking is, is creating a version of the software that bypasses the DRM restrictions. So think about back like um, we talked about those CD-ROM-based software that would require you to have the CD-ROM inside the drive. Well, there used to be these no CD cracks for a lot of popular games and pieces of software. So they'd be versions of the software that had been hacked to take out that little bit of the code that checked for the CD or found some way of fooling it and making it think the CD was there. And then those versions that were quote unquote cracked could be redistributed without anyone needing to have the original physical CD. And people who make these cracks are sometimes called crackers. Basically, they're a type of hacker in the pejorative sense of hacker. People also make software for generating registration code. So some software requires a very specific format of registration code, and some clever person has figured out what that format is, and they create a piece of software that can just automatically generate valid registration codes. Modern software that phones home and checks if you're registered through some database is going to be pretty much immune to that. There is some nuance here, though, and some discussion about whether software should be copyrighted or is copying or sharing software really bad? 
Yes, there absolutely is. Uh, and there are people who don't agree with our current copyright law. A lot of people think the copyright term is far too long. Uh, currently, it is something like 75 years in the United States. So basically, no modern software is really beyond copyright. And there's people who just don't believe that... Um, some people believe all information should be free and don't believe in intellectual property to begin with. And they have interesting philosophical arguments. And I don't want to say that what they're saying is invalid. I think there's some interest in them. And if you want to read more about that, I'm going to link to in the show notes a book called Free Software, Free Society by Richard Stallman, which presents the other side. At the same time, this is the set of laws that we live under. And the fact is that if you have a proprietary piece of software that has an end user license agreement that says you can't redistribute it and you are redistributing it, you are breaking the law and you are violating the rights of the original creator of that software. Okay, thanks for listening to us this week. Rebecca, how can people get in touch with us? We're at Copec Explains, K-O-P-E-C-E-X-P-L-A-I-N-S. On Twitter. Thanks for listening and we'll see you in two weeks. Bye.